Good morning, church, and welcome home. Welcome to all the people here, all the people watching online. Thank you for joining us today and praising our loving Father. My name is Cameron Webb. This here is my dad. Um, I'm a college freshman going to the University of Alabama this fall. I'm 18 years old, and this is... Oh, come on, Brad. <laughs> roll Tide, man, Roll Tide. This here is my dad, who's older than dirt. Uh, he runs his own consulting company. He is a shepherd here for about a year and a half. Uh, and he came, we, he came here about when I was born, so we've both been here for 18 years. Um, a little update. We were supposed to be preaching here March 21st, uh, but then somebody wimped out and decided that he wanted to get hit on his motorcycle. Uh, so we weren't able to preach then. But here we are today, and we're happy to be here with you. Glad to be here. Well, as Cam said, we came yesterday, um, or he didn't say this yet, but we came yesterday to practice again, and this time we had Jenny drive us, because uh, we had the accident when I was trying to come here to meet Cameron. Um, the air was on yesterday, and it was very nice in here, although it's back on now, if you can feel it, but uh, we're going to be talking about running to the Father today, and I wanted you to get in a lather and get a good sweat going before we started talking so you'd feel the sermon. Um, but I'd like to go back to uh, March 20th. Um, so I was driving down Hillsborough Road, and what I remember, a car in front of me is turning into Kroger's parking lot. I see the blinker turn on. They're starting to slow. And I realized, oh, they're turning off. I started to go forward, and I felt like something was coming at me from the side. And so I flinched. When I opened my eyes, I saw GMC, and it was the grill of a car, actually SUV. Uh, it struck me on my right side. Um, the next thing I remember, because I... And it was slow motion, just like the movies. Um, I saw the sky, and I thought, oh, no. Which way? Where am I going? Then I saw the pavement. Then I saw the sky again. Then I saw the pavement again. And when I opened my eyes, I was laying on my side. Uh, I had crossed over the turn lane and the oncoming traffic and was on the side of the road um, on my left side. From... and. 100%, you have to hear this, from that accident moment, moment of impact forward, God has blessed us richly, more than we could ask or imagine. Um, thank you. So I'm laying there on the road on my left side, and I happened to look down and realize my right leg didn't look right. Um, apparently, as people walked up, they thought the same thing. Um, turns out I broke it uh, in the mid-shin, both bones, and then I'm, Jenny and I saw an x-ray, and we're like, hey, that's not too bad. We're gonna, this is going to be great. What I didn't realize was I crushed the top part of my bones underneath my knee. So I don't know if, yeah, you can see the picture there. So a nice titanium rod down the center there, a plate on the side, and 15 screws later, they reassembled the bone. I did ask the doctor, um, how many breaks did I have? I'm an accountant, right? I want to know. And so I asked him, and he goes, well, and sarcastically, he said, let's just call it 72. He said, we had pieces. It was like a puzzle. And we had pieces left over that we didn't know what to do with, so we threw them away. I was like, as an accountant, I about passed out right then. So um, I just caught Alan's eye. Alan saw this x-ray at our house when he, uh, he and Cindy brought us some food. And he goes, that guy would not have any job in drywall. Look at the way the screws are all going. Alan, I did share that with him. 
Um, the, the surgeon retorted right back, well, I'd like to see your friend fix a w drywall that was hit with a sledgehammer. And I went, okay, fair enough. Um, so yeah, we've had, we've had some good. But immediately after I'm laying there on the ground, uh, everybody stopped and looked at me. They were out of their cars, just standing on Hillsborough Road. Um, my guess is they probably thought I was dead um, when I'm just laying there. So I start screaming, call 911, because I've done first aid training, and that's the first thing you got to do is get somebody coming for help. Uh, after the sixth time, somebody yelled back to me. I don't know who it was. I've called. I've called 911. So I stopped saying that. By the time that happened, right behind me, so I'm laying facing church, actually, this direction down Hillsboro. Somebody came up from behind me, knelt down, and said, boy, it's going to be hard. <laughs> This didn't happen yesterday. Um, I'll stay with you until help arrives. There was a woman named Cindy. Um, she's a trauma nurse. And she stayed right by my side until the ambulance showed up. Um, she helped me with my breathing, which I need to do right now. And she kept me calm. Um, I knew my leg was bleeding. And if you know me, I usually pass out at life group when we start talking about medical things. So I was trying to not uh, think about that at the moment. Um, but she sat there dutifully with me. As other people came up, she told them to get away. She goes, I've got it. Uh, his breathing's going okay. I'm with him and I'm going to stay with him. Have no idea who Cindy is. Another gentleman walked up, and before she shooed him away, he said, is there anything I can do? And I said, yes, you can call my son, because Cameron was here at church for this sermon. And uh, <laughs> uh, my uh, phone was in my jacket pocket, which I couldn't reach because I was laying on it, and I did not want to move. And because of Siri, I didn't know his phone number. Um, so, and I couldn't scream, call my son loud enough for it to pick up. So I told the gentleman Jenny's phone number, and he called her. And it was a weird number, so she didn't answer. He texted her, and he called her back until she picked up. And then he reported the accident to her. So it turns out, um, oh, sorry, last thing there. And, and it's probably a few minutes of pain, Cindy helping me breathe. Then I finally heard the sirens turn on right here behind the building. Uh, there's a fire station. And I knew at that moment things were going to start to get better. Um, so it turns out I did break my leg, of course. Um, both the mid shin and then crush the top of it. But a rod, a plate, 15 screws later, I began my way back. And one day, maybe it's a little ways away, I will run again. For me, March 20th started out any other normal day, Saturday-wise at least. I woke up, went to work on the farm for four and a half hours. On my way home, I called my dad and said, hey, do you want anything from Oscars? We got some Oscars and brought it home to eat. And then we were going to go to the church, practice our sermon, and afterwards I was going to go hang out with my friends, play sports, all that good stuff. Little did I know that that moment when I woke up, I had just started the worst and scariest day of my entire life. I got up to the church and was waiting for my dad, and we were supposed to get there at 2, so at about 2.11 I texted and said, hey, where are you? Um, at 2.14 my mom called, and when she called I just assumed 
oh, he probably left his iPad at home or wallet or just something. And I don't remember everything she said. My body kind of went numb. I went numb. Um, but all it, I remember the gist of it was, dad's in a motorcycle accident. I'm going to the scene. I don't know if he's okay. Do not drive to the accident. Immediately, I broke down. I didn't know what to do because I couldn't go there. I was stuck at the church. I didn't know what to do. So after I gathered myself enough, I called Evan. I don't know where Evan is and here there he is. Uh, and I called him just because I knew he lives near. And immediately when I called him, he dropped everything he was doing to come back to the church and be with me. But I had 20 minutes to kill before he could get there. So me being the obedient son I am, I ran to the accident. Because if I'm not supposed to drive, how else do I get somewhere? I run. So, not knowing where the accident was, how far I was running, and a bunch of people staring at me like I was a crazy man, tears streaming down my face, running through the middle of downtown Franklin, I started running. Um, and I ran all the way to the accident, and as I got there, I saw, oh, I don't even know how many, probably six cop cars, ambulance, fire truck, and I, I got... I got so overwhelmed with emotion and fear. But thankfully, there was an officer, I don't remember his name, who was blocking off the road. And I was talking to him and said, hey, my dad's up there. Do you know how he is? He said, he's okay, but he needs to go to the hospital. So I'm like, Dude, can I go up there? Is my mom up there? What do I need? He said, no, they're getting the ambulance right now. Just stay here and you'll be fine. And at that moment, I knew I was going to be okay because I was with my dad. Even though I couldn't see him or be near him, I was with him. And I knew my mom was with him and it was all going to be okay. Yeah, again, from the accident moment forward, God has blessed me richly. Um, as we prayed just a minute ago with the Simmons, with life, there's a lot of people that wouldn't be here today. Um, no other significant injuries. Again, I don't know if I was somersaulting or cartwheeling across the road, but either way, um, nothing, nothing significantly bad. With Cindy, with Jenny making it there to hold my hand, with the ambulance team, the nurses, Dr. Bremsky, Cameron, and Lindsay. I have no infection in my leg, which means I get to keep my leg. The bone has regrown, and the blessings continue. In my family's darkest time, this church family fulfilled every need we had. The Crawfords dropped everything to drive and pick me up from the accident. Evan drove me to the hospital and stayed with me the entire time. The Crawfords also drove my car to the hospital so mom would have a way to drive if she needed. The amount of texts, calls, and prayers we received that day were uncountable. So many people offering for me to stay the night at their house so I wouldn't be alone. The Whites making us dinner immediately so we'd have something to eat. The Schraders bringing us a care package with some much-needed Ben & Jerry's ice cream. The McColtics and the Crawfords giving me and my sister money so we could eat. Jennifer Bell setting up a meal train so we'd have food religiously every other day. So many pastas and casseroles in our freezer still so we can still eat. David McColtick and Jeff Crawford mowing our lawn for us when I was too busy with school. And so many other things because of you guys here. We were able to survive. We were never hungry, thirsty, lonely because you guys were there for us. So we, it, it's hard to summarize that in, in words, but we're overwhelmed by the love of this family, really are. Um, so if you would humor an old as dirt man, I don't know if you said that line today or oh, not, yeah, you I thought did. about it. Oh, I did. Um, I would like to personally recognize uh, you all 
And if you're, again, humor me, stand if you did the following. If you're in our life group, please stand. If you send me a card, electronic cards work too. If you cooked us a meal, because my goodness, we've been eating good. If you texted me or my family as concerned, or if you prayed for us at any point in time. There you go. Ah, Yes, I got a Marco Polo from Brad. That's when I knew I'd arrived. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and we talked about this yesterday, Lindsay. If you're not standing, that doesn't mean anything. There's plenty of other people you're loving in this church. But thank you so much. It means the world to us. As I look around, I can't fathom how all these people will love us so much. But then I look up and I realize the reason we have this loving church family is because we have a loving father who loves us so well. Absolutely. So today we're going to get into our sermon that we had uh, prepared about three months ago now. Um, while before that, uh, the shepherds were talking and were like, we ought to spend more time with the body in, in sermon time in, in the Sunday mornings. And so I said, oh, sure, I'd be happy to do that. And I went home that night and asked Cameron, I said, would you be willing to do that with me? Thinking his answer would, of course, be no. And he goes, sure, I'd be happy to. So that said in, uh, about the course of events uh, for us to be here today. Um, it has been a journey uh, the last almost three months now before we thought we would be with you. But I hope that God has brought you here today for this message. If you'd pray with me, please. Father God, we thank you so much for bringing us here today. We know you are here today. We feel your presence. Holy Spirit, please make a way in our hearts to hear the message you have for each of us today. Help us respond to you. Father, we offer you our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. Speak your truth to us today. Amen. So today we're going to be in Luke 15. If you guys want to turn your Bibles there, or as for me, get my phone on there. Um, we would like, I would like to say on the behalf of us that we do believe that the Bible is the truth. That it is how we should direct our lives to live our lives for God and how we should love others. Even if we don't understand it, even if we don't like it, it is our guiding truth. So, with that being said, uh, we need context for Luke 15, because context is important in any scenario when you take a passage out of nowhere. So, uh, before Luke 15, Jesus had just eaten with the prominent Pharisee and all the other Pharisees uh, at his house. Um, They were closely watching him at the time because he was starting this revolution called Christianity that they didn't like too much. So they're waiting for him to mess up the entire dinner, but of course, he's Jesus. He doesn't. He's perfect. So, after that, when they let all the people that are poor and the sinners eat the food that is left over, Jesus sits and eats with them. Um, and then the Pharisees don't like that because if Jesus is supposed to be a rabbi, he's not supposed to be eating with the sinners and the tax collectors and people that are not as good, as holy as the Pharisees. So they start muttering behind his back. And in response, Jesus gives these three parables. Luke 15, verse 1, and I'll read from Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, 
Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house, and search for it carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Jesus continued, There is a man who had two sons. The youngest one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to, feed, to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard the music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he is back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders that you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be, bad, be glad, because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So in Luke 15, we find three celebrations. Um, the sheep, then we see the silver coin, and then the son. Often we think about these parables and we think about the objects of them. Often you'll think about, well, it's about the prodigal son. That's how the Bible names it, right? That little name they put in there. All three stories, all three parables that Jesus is telling are the same about his father, about the rejoicing when we turn back to him, when we start that journey back to him. Um, so today I want, we're going to dive into that a little bit. Um, but our request is that you be open to what God's asking you to do today. And how he's asking you to return to him or see him returning to you. Um, And if you hear something or the Holy Spirit starts dealing with you, tune us out, deal with him. Uh, God's way bigger than us. So, and again, you have to humor an old person who enjoys youth retreats and those kind of things. Um, I'd love for you to be able to have a minute or two to personally reflect on your relationship with God. And so I've got a little thing for you to think through here. Um, 
and it's a little visualization exercise. The goal of this, though, is at the end of this, I want you to hear what your father says to you. So if you would humor me and shut your eyes. You find yourself walking alone down a tree-lined country lane in the cool of the morning on a summer day. You see the trees. Occasionally you feel the sun's warmth on your arms as it comes through those trees. A slight breeze is blowing. Even though you're walking with determination, your heart is heavy from a burden you carry. As you continue to walk, you're nearing home and the reality of dealing with some of your burdens. Up the lane now, you see someone starting to run towards you. You strain your eyes to see who it is. You then recognize it's your father God and he's getting closer to you. He continues to run towards you with abandon and you begin to brace for his judgment over the burdens you carry. As he gets nearer, you see a broad smile and tears flowing down his face. He doesn't even slow his stride as he comes in, grabs you up in a huge embrace. He kisses you on the cheek. You feel the tears strolling down his face. And he says to you, What did he say to you? You can open your eyes. Were you surprised by the welcoming, loving father who really just wanted to snatch you up? Even amidst all the burdens we carry, the guilt we have at times, there is such a loving father running towards us. So as we were deciding songs for the sermon that go along with what we were talking about, obviously the song, Run to the Father, immediately came to mind. I mean, it's literally running to the Father. It's based in Luke 15. But as I was thinking about this song, I was like, that doesn't make sense. The Father is the one running to the Son. The Son is not running to the Father. So why is this song about running to the Father? So as I kept thinking and diving deep into why we would run to the Father, I realized that the Son did run to the Father, but in a different fashion. He realized he was nothing without his family and without the comfort of his Father. So he turned around and ran back home. Um, So as I think about the lyrics of the song, Run to the Father, it starts out, and don't worry, I'm not going to sing it. You don't need to hear that from me today. Uh, It starts out, I've carried this burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear this alone. And I think that fully captures why we need to run to the Father. The son in the story could no longer be alone. He could no longer bear no one being with him. So he goes home. He was broken and empty. We as people are created to have company. We crave human connection. So like I said before, he needed his family. Just like I said, we needed our family in our deepest time of need. And 
I don't know if we would have made it without his family. I don't know if that son would have made it without his loving family either. Our burden was too heavy to carry alone, and you guys lifted it hand by hand, just like the son's burden was too heavy for him to carry alone. So now I have questions for you. Why are you running from the Father? What burden are you carrying? Can you keep this burden without the help of your family? Do you need to turn back to the Father? Because if you do, run. Run to the Father and run to his family. Because just like you guys did, you accepted us with open arms and picked up that burden that we could no longer carry alone. Cameron had a good idea when we were talking about this this week, uh, kind of updating the sermon ideas. Um, he said, Deb, I, I think it'd be good if we shared where I've seen the Father run to me, and then he's seen examples where we've run to the Father. Um, so here are a few that uh, in, in the midst of the last three months where I can tell you the Father was present. Uh, the first, and I didn't share this a minute ago, but when I was doing my cartwheel somersault thing, I came to rest on my left side, out on a t-shirt. Um, I was going 30 miles an hour this way, presumably they're coming 20 miles an hour that way. I don't have a single scar on this arm. That's how I landed on the pavement. Um, so my first moment of God running to me was the angel that caught me and gently set me down on the pavement, because I can't explain it otherwise. Cindy showing up and saying, I'm going to sit here with you. The kind person, the man that dialed 911, or the lady, I think it was a lady that dialed 911, then the man who called Jenny again and texted her and called her again to make sure he got through. Evan dropping everything when Cameron called him, which I didn't know till later. Jeff and Jennifer dropping everything when Jenny called them, which I didn't know till later. Uh, Jenny making it to the scene to hold my hand. That was my one request. Albert, the words you shared with me the other night. I have, I have a glimpse into that that you shared the other day. Countless first responders and nurses and doctors giving me immediate attention and great care. You all. The hands and the feet of Christ serving a family that needed it. God came to me on those long nights alone when I couldn't sleep and the pain was too much and spend time with me in worship. I've already said our life group, but I could say our life group 40 times. I'm sitting on a couch and I watch 20 people descend on our house, it's our life group, to mow the yard, trim the bushes. Our bushes have never been trimmed like that. Um, it was amazing, so thank you. One of those days I was getting overwhelmed by uh, all the kindness. Uh, got a text from Chris Barnhill when I was sharing that with him. He said, it may feel humbling, but you've loved others well for a long time. And for people like you, it's certainly more difficult to receive than to give. And that meant the world to me. Um, a funny one, I got a card from Mary Beth Duke. I don't know if she's here today. It said something along the lines of stay positive because if you've been a horse, they've already shot you. I thought it was very funny. That's my type of humor, by the way. I don't know if she knew that, but I got a good chuckle out of that. Um, getting a hug from Nadine. I don't know if she's sitting over there. She, she is. Miss Novella. 
that week you came over and hugged me. Um, I don't know if Gene and Wanda are here. I don't see them. But getting to sit with the Hatchers because I've got a walker for a little while. Um, and their encouragement every week. And they're in their 90s and they're encouraging this young 50-year-old kid with a bad leg. Um, but God has shown up so much through you and I really appreciate it. I don't know if you guys feel the same way as me about this, but whenever somebody says something in a sermon like run to the Father and they tell you to do it, it, it does, it's never that easy. It's never that easy to let go of your burdens and let somebody carry them for you. It's like, for instance, when you're looking at Google Maps and it says it's a 15-minute drive to go somewhere, and you click go, the choice is easy, but getting there is hard because it doesn't count the fact that you're hitting every single red light. Or that the person in front of you is never going fast enough. Or the person is swerving in and out of traffic, never using their turn signal. Or currently in Franklin, how it takes 30 minutes to get to the church from my house, which takes 7 minutes. It's never point A to point B, because there are mountains and valleys and rocks and obstacles in your way. Because whenever somebody says something up here, like run to the Father, we don't take into account the personal hardships you have to go through. For instance, that one problem that takes two, over, two years to overcome, the trauma from an accident that might never go away, the addiction that takes decades to overcome and it's still in the back of your mind, the death of a family member that you don't think you will ever be able to recover from. For me, when I ran to my dad, literally ran to my father on the day of the accident, one thing about me is I hate running. I, I tried track seventh grade, loved short distance, couldn't do long distance. And then as I was running, the people weirdly staring at me because I'm this teenage boy crying, tears all down my face, running like a madman through the streets of downtown Franklin. And I'm not saying those obstacles are difficult, but they're definitely obstacles that were in my way. I didn't know how far away my dad was. I didn't know what he would look like when I saw him. But I ran to my father because that's the one thing I knew how to do. Uh, when I got to the accident, like I said, I never saw him. But being in the presence of my dad, even though he was 100 feet away, was enough for me to feel calm because I knew I was close enough to be with him. It was enough to calm the past 10 to 20 minutes of my nerves freaking out, me not knowing what to do, me thinking about the future and it being so unsure. Because whenever you run to the Father and He accepts you into His loving arms and you fall into His grace, relief will rush over you. The trials and tribulations you faced in the past do not define who you are. The person holding you defines that you are a child of His and He will never let you go. I've only lived 18 years of life, which is not long compared to people old as dirt over here. But I know whenever I run to the Father, I realize that the past trials I encountered do not define the person. The Lord defines the person I am running. So, I know one day when I come home from college, I'll be running through the front door, and my dad will be running to greet me. And though that might not be soon, I know that will be the best day ever. So please, lay down your burdens, let your family pick them up, and run to the Father, because he's already running to you. So the best choice you can make, run.